Cherry Printers are an established printing company that produce quality products at sensible prices. From cash receipts and invoice books to GDPR-compliant confidential visitor signing books, they have it all. For more information, visit cherryprinters.co.uk. Cherry Printers. Besides the Spotlight. Mike Sweeney is currently working at BBC Radio Manchester, hosting the mid-morning show Monday to Thursday from 10am until 2pm. He has won New York Radio Awards, including a Sony in 2002 and a Guardian Media Group's Presenter of the Year in 2009. The Radio Academy gave him a Lifetime Achievement Award in 2011, and he has named the Variety Children's Charity Radio Industry Legend in 2012. You are listening to Besides the Spotlight with me, Finley Ratnet, talking to Mike Sweeney. Besides the Spotlight with Finley Ratnet. Finley Ratnet, joined by Mike Sweeney. Mike, thanks for joining me. All right, mate. So, what did you want to do when you were younger? That's an interesting one. That nobody's ever asked me that. Actually, never asked me. Uh, watch me, rock and roll star. So, um, I'm seventy-six this year. So, nineteen sixty-three, I was um, into pop music. This is late sixty-two into sixty-three from the UK and from the States. So it was all pre-Beatles stuff. Um, people that young young people never heard of people like well Elvis you'll have heard of but it was in the UK it was like Billy Fury Cliff Richard and the Shadows and people like that and in the States it was Elvis but Del Shannon and I mean quite light stuff that really resonates through decades so bands like the Drifters and stuff, stuff like that and then the Beatles came along with Love Me Do but their second single was called Please Please Me and I heard it at a youth club literally a mile from here um, on a winter's night in 63 and it's a song called Please Please Me and when I heard it it stopped me in my tracks and the minute I heard it I wanted to do that because I heard voices that sounded like mine and when I saw them being interviewed they were working class they had accents they weren't they, they, they were very cool but, but they weren't smooth it wasn't slick and showbiz they were quite rough around the edges because they were all scousers uh, they'd been through the mill so I wanted to be a rock and roll star um, and it didn't happen well it never happened I was never a star but I had no success till 1977 and I formed a band then a punk band um, called the Salford Jets and then we had quite a bit of success and that led to me getting on the radio then so your first job in radio was Piccadilly Radio back yeah. in 1980 how did that come about? so the Solver Jets became Piccadilly Radio's house band. And it's really weird, I don't want to bore you to death, but there are a couple of crossroads in it where if I'd have taken one turn at the crossroads instead of going straight ahead, my life would be completely different. Got a record deal, first song I wrote for the band um, had one line in it. And the line was walking on the town town looking at the squares, repeated for two and a half minutes. So when the record came to Piccadilly Radio for the DJs, it was in an ordinary record label cover, had no information with it, it wasn't a picture sleeve, but a DJ picked it up at the station, a guy called Phil Sayer, saw that the band were called The Salford Jets, and he thinks, they've got to be from here, from Salford. Played the record, which only had this one line in it, played it on his show, loved it, then played it again at the end because you could do that in those days and that meant that we became local heroes overnight Piccadilly Radio had a million listeners so we started to do a load of gigs for the station and then I did a promo 
for a gig that we were doing and uh, and I they said oh we'll write you the script so I said don't matter I'll sort it out I'll do it I'll do the script for it and I didn't script it I just did it I'd lived it and the two guys that were running the station the program control and station manager got together one night and said you know that Mike Sweeney's got unusual personality and an unusual voice because there were no regional accents anywhere on radio in the whole of the UK and I have a slight regional accent as you can tell so and that's literally I got on the radio by accident I had never considered being a broadcaster never thought of taking it uh, when even when I started I remember thinking oh I signed a three-month contract because I thought my band were going to be even bigger than that didn't happen so I ended up on the radio by accident almost and so how did that <coughs> go from there to where you are now um that's another interesting question I suppose because there is only one me so wherever I've been I've done a good job uh, I've always mostly followed me instincts I've not always told the line uh, I come from Salford so when I was younger I had to fight my corner mm. so when I got into broadcasting I felt that sometimes it was incumbent on me to treat it like a building site and be a bit sometimes a bit confrontational or a bit abrasive or whatever because I felt that if I was like that, then I wouldn't be taken advantage of. Because come from my background, you're used to people trying to knock you down, you know? And uh, so I went for Pickley Radio, when that was, I felt I'd been there long enough, and I was about to maybe look for something else. Capital Radio in London came for me. So I had 10 years in London, that worked. And, I've never been at a station where I've been asked to leave and I've never been at a station where I felt I was getting stale. But I have been very fortunate in people believing in me at crucial moments. So London was great and I started to get homesick. When I was homesick from day one, my daughter was born while I was in London, who's now 22, 23 this year. Um, and I got a, a rock radio, FM rock radio station called Rock Radio. We're going to start broadcasting. I got a broadcasting licence uh, and I went and spoke to the guy that ran the station and said, you've got this station, it's rock music, but with talk. I said, well, I can talk and I like rock and roll. Give us a job, basically. Oh, and then they did. And then the BBC came. So I've had these four, four major jobs in 43 years this year. So I've probably done the right thing at the right time. And I've never lost... At the moment, my enthusiasm for broadcasting. The day when I come in here, go through the, those doors over there, and I don't care, I hope I'll have the bottle to finish, but at the moment I care. So what does a typical day look like for you from the moment you get in to the moment you leave? No, stops, hard work. So I get in at eight o'clock. Uh, today we were looking at, we do a phone in for an hour, which is great, but there's a lot of jeopardy in that because people have got to phone in. If they don't phone in, you've not got phone in. So he's saying, give us a ring. If nobody phones, you're knackered. Yeah. So today we were looking and we were going to do, it was either down to something about the coronation, you know, and the fact that um, whether uh, Harry comes and Meghan stays at home. We thought that's, that's a major headline and we're talking about that maybe. And then we heard uh, on one of the links on our breakfast programme um, about kids and pubs. And we changed it straight away and we said, no, we're going to do, we're going to go on air and say, right, give us a ring when I start at 10 o'clock 
Should kids be allowed in pubs? Should kids be allowed in Six words. Bang. Phones exploded. So... 100 mile an hour, first hour, do a four hour program mm. and we don't stop for four hours. Then I come off and then I do stuff like this or I do, normally I'm doing interviews before the program, interviews after the program. Um, not unusual for me to have a 12 hour day. So the day's full of either, either being on air and broadcasting, preparing for broadcasting, do, taping interviews, recording them for broadcasting or coming off the air and recording stuff or researching stuff for broadcasting. So that's it, that's a typical day, under mile an hour, and then I'm gonna go home and go for a run later. So in your four hour programme, you've obviously got your phone in, you've got the channel news, sport, and the head of the news on the hour. How do you keep under the pressure of sticking to timings and things? You should just be able to do that. Um, I know what you mean, I'm not being flippant there, cause like, but when you've done it for years, mm. It, that's second nature. I've got to say, when I first started, in the first maybe five, six years, I didn't give a monkey's about timings, about what to do, about what. I was very anarchic, which, by the way, was part of the appeal. They had this broadcaster who looks like he just come for building site and doesn't give a monkey's. Well, it was, it was very, for the time, it was very apposite to be like that at that time. I didn't realise that because I was breaking all the rules which now you can take for granted that you can do stuff like that. But you should be on your game, really. Um, so to give you a great example, today we had, a, we had a feature, we had a song, but we had a minute and 20 seconds, really, before traffic and travel. And that's where your experience comes in. So I did a minute and 20 seconds, but it didn't sound like I was padding because I thought of something that was relevant to what we were doing today, thought of my life experience with that, whatever. When, when, when can I reflect on that from doing it before? And that's what we did. So, but that's just experience, you know. It's, and it is mechanical. Um, broadcasting, the bit that's broadcasting that's organic, I can't explain that to you properly. But the mechanical stuff, you should really have that in your DNA when you've been doing it for a good few years. So what would you say the main qualities of a radio presenter? Depends what you're presenting. Um, I was watching Chris Mason the other day, he's the political editor for um, for the BBC. <coughs> and uh, I watched him at work, a great professional at that job, I couldn't do what he does. His knowledge of politics, he's articulate, he's erudite, he's very smart, um, very real though and down to earth, which is great because he's from, I think he's from Bradford or Barnsley. Um, and his qualities, he's just, and he did any questions before that on the radio for Radio 4. Great talent for that. Very, I mean, he's very, very smart. I, I'm smart, no, sorry. He's very, very intellectually on it. I'm smart, but I wouldn't say my, my intellect was up there with his in that environment. Uh, if you're playing records and that's what you do for a living, then that's another skill. I've done that where try and make the songs flow, try and make what you say in between, especially if you've got a limited amount of time relevant. And, but if you're doing, if you're a broadcaster like I am, I think be honest, um, 
have a personality that I'm fortunate mine comes over the radio. Uh, maybe not everybody else's does. Mm. But being honest is very important. Um, love what you do. If you do it as a job, you'll get away with it. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm sure there are people in vocational jobs that don't love the job, but do it. You know, you could be a doctor and be a great doctor. We don't like it. You don't love it. Some doctors know better, will love being a doctor. I love being a broadcaster. And probably gives me an edge. So just to finish off with, any sort of young media <coughs> students or any anyone interested in a job working in radio or media in general, what's one piece of advice you'd give to them? There probably isn't one piece of advice, um, but there probably is one piece of advice at different sta- stages in that accessing the opportunity to have a job in broadcasting. First of all, there are far less jobs in broadcasting than there were... 10 years ago and miles miles fewer than there were when I started 40 years ago when you had DJs they're called DJs and they all talk like that apart from me when you would have 24 hours a day you'd have a guy doing overnights doing 6 um, uh, midnight or 6 in the morning and then the breakfast guy and you would be doing 3 hour programs at the most and then the mid morning and then the early afternoon and then so there were all these great jobs in radio and lots of engineering jobs and production jobs because there wasn't the technology that there is now so there are very few broadcasting jobs relatively speaking so you've got to find the, the portal to that. You've got to find an access point. You've got to work out why you want to do it. And if you want to do it, that energy will take you to an access point. So if it's the BBC or if it's anywhere, you, you probably end up pestering people mm. in a way. You've got to find a way of getting somebody to listen to you and to and to want to employ you. I would always say that if you're in radio, see if you can do any radio that's not professional radio. So community radio, radio at uni, anything you can do, um, make your own podcasts, uh, even make you, make your own your own radio station up almost. Um, I mean, it was always a little bit like that, but when I was a kid, presenters came from the clubs. They went to clubs, they were disc jockeys in clubs, and they ended up on radio via that. And when, but if you get to the point where somebody's going to give you a job, you've got to be true to yourself. You've got to be honest. You've got to really graft at it. You know, it's not an easy. It's not. It's not. I'm not minted. You won't make. You will never become a millionaire. Well, you might if you're doing a national radio program at a very high level. But you've got to want to do it. I think. Um, and I, I do occasionally see presenters and they're just doing a job and if you're not careful as well when you're just doing a job you, you become a bit entitled you think oh, this is this is me you know I'm doing this job and you don't really care but you actually think that that job is your right yeah. and it's not that really and be true and when you're on air the bit so you do all that getting through the door getting an interview the bit that matters, the bit I can give you advice about is once you're sat in a chair in a studio with a microphone, whatever the the genre of radio station, whatever you're doing, if it's radio, you have got to be honest. Honest in how you, honest in how you speak, honest in how you think. You've got to be true to that job, you know. You will get away with it if you're not, but that is... 
if you're a fake presenter and you're doing it because it's a, it's a nice career and it's better than emptying bins, you know, um, then okay, but people are paying your wages. You've got to remember that. There's people out there working in supermarkets, emptying the bins, um, driving Ubers around, working on building sites, driving the tram, you know, and they pay my wages. And if you were in broadcasting, they pay your wages. Their wages go to, you know, the license fee or to uh, buy the, the consumer products that advertisers adver advertise for on commercial radio. But BBC particularly, people pay your wages. You know, so I get up this morning and I don't have to get dirty and I don't have to get particularly cold like it was on the train station this morning because somebody pays my wages and you've got to remember that. Mike, thanks for your time. Pleasure. Pleasure.